Welcome to the Real Estate Entrepreneurs Podcast. Real people doing real deals in real estate and no fake gurus allowed. We bring you the best and the most real real estate investors in the space. They'll be showing you the good, the bad, and the ugly of real estate investing. Like, share, subscribe, get notified. It's the Real Estate Entrepreneurs Podcast. Welcome to the Real Estate Entrepreneurs Podcast. And today we have a repeat. The first time we did this on Zoom, on a Zoom call, it was actually in Spanish. But today we're going to go about it in English. So, Armando, thank you for coming in. Flew in from Washington, D.C. Actually, the DMV area. Maryland, Washington, Virginia, right? Yes, that's right. And um, Armando has been a real estate investor for only a couple of years. But, man, I tell you what, this guy's got a lot of energy. He's been uh, closing on big deals. Him and his team has been making some big moves. So, anyhow, who is Armando, man? Where are you from? Man, thank you, man. I just want to thank you for having me over here. You know, always grateful, you know, to be learning from the best. So, you guys hit up Ricardo Rosales. You know, he's giving us so much game while we're here. Uh, But who is Armando Olivares? You know, Armando Olivares uh, is an immigrant uh, who came here when he was 13 years old. Uh, you know, I'm original from uh, Lima, Peru. You know, that's where I grew up in South America. Uh, but my parents are from Peru. You know, we moved here when I was uh, kind of like 13 years old, you know. Yep. And that's that's how my life in America started, you know. Right. Okay. So you came from Peru, 13 years old. Um, you come with your parents. How how did that work? So yeah, when I, when I was thirteen years old, you know, my my parents, uh, my dad called and he was like, "Hey, it's time for you to come to America," you know, and and you know, I just pretty much got my back and came came to America, you know. Later on, find out that you know I actually uh, crossed the border um, uh, to come here to America, you know, just like many 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 immigrants like. They do that, you know, just to seek for their dream, you know. So how do you come? An airplane or? Yeah, I came with an airplane to, like, I think it was, like, uh, uh, Salvador, you know, at the time. I was Salvador, and then, you know, I was a kid, so I was just pretty much following people, you know, where, where they were going. And it was just kind of, like, for me, it was just a journey, you know. Like, I saw, like, uh, for me, it was the only way to come here, you know. I mean, I was very naive when I was 13 years old, so, like. Yeah, I, you didn't know any better. Yeah, I didn't know any better. So I was, like, I'm going to America, and, you know, I guess that's the way it, it you know, it takes to go to America, you know? Right. Uh, but it was funny because, you know, later on when I when I started having, um, you know, communication with other people, you know, I was like, hey, you know, well, there was a topic that was how you came to America. And I started sharing about how I came to America. And people was like, oh, it sounds like you crossed the border. And then, you know, I found out that, you know, uh, it was illegal. <laughs> okay, so you, you crossed the border. Did yeah. you walk or, or where, where, where do you come it, from? It was, uh, yeah, it was like, I think we, we took, it was just mostly buses and, and trains, you know. It was bus, okay. trains and uh, like we barely walk anything, you know. I have to be honest, you know. It was mainly like buses, you know. So what part of the U.S. do you come from? Texas uh, or California? Yeah, I came, or? I came from Texas, Houston, and then from that point on, you know, um, I think okay. From from Houston, we took like a bus to like um, D.C. That's where my my family's at, and you know that's where I uh, met up my dad after like seven years. Wow. Okay. So all right. So you came here. You crossed the border. And now you got the American dream because you are investing in real real estate. You're buying properties. You're selling properties. 
Um, but before we got there, you used to be in the banking industry, right? Correct. How do you end up there uh, being a, a, a banker? I mean, I, I, before I was a banker, you know, I was working in the pizza industry. And, man, I wanted a change, you know, I wanted a change. So, like, I was like, man, I want to work from 9 to 5. So, I was like, I was dreaming from having the 9 to 5 job, Yeah. You know? So. Hey, no, for the, for a lot of people, that's actually a dream. Yeah. To be able to work in an office, AC, you're yeah. not getting dirty or, or, like, pizza smelly, like, pizza all day long, right? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, what were you doing in the pizza industry? I, I, w I was a store. I was a store manager at the time. Okay. Um, you know, but I was getting there. You know, I was working 14, 15 hours a day. You know, no vacations. What what, what pizza? I work at Pizza Hut. I mean, I work at every Pizza Hut. I work at Pizza Hut, Domino's, and Papa John's. Oh yeah. So which one you like best? Uh, I like Papa John's. I think it has yeah. better flavor. You know, so shout out to them. All right. <laughs> all right. So, um, so I'm pretty sure you did everything from deliveries all the way to the store manager, right? Yeah. So what did you what did what did you learn from the pizza industry that you apply today? I, I think it's about sales, you know, like you know, when I took you know, I was eighteen years old and I, I was giving a store and one of the things that I did very quick was uh, I scale up the store, you know. So one of the things that I always learned was it, it's a very very custom we're living in a customer driven environment. Uh, so from the very early age I understood that everything was about relationship, you know. So like When I was doing sales, you know, I would always introduce, hey, we like an extra Coke or an extra Pepsi. We like an extra cinnamon. You know, our cinnamons are very delicious. And, you know, every client that's buying it, they're giving it great feedbacks, you know. So always, always upselling, you know, always upselling. Right. And, and I was one of the persons that would never shut down the phone, you know. Right. Like, you know, like from five to eight, if, if you go to a pizza place, uh, that phones will never stop ringing, like nonstop. Pizzas are coming out of the oven. You got to make pizzas. So... It really helped me to work under, like, a lot of pressure. And, you know, I was one of the guys that would be like, don't ever stop talking to clients, you know. Don't ever stop, you know, taking orders, you know. My, my cook would like, we got to stop taking orders and never stop, you know. And I think that was one of the things, you know. It was a very sales-driven, very customer-driven. And um, so how many pizzas can you make in one day? Oh, man, I don't know. I was making a lot. Was, you never counted them? I never really counted it, but, I mean, the most order... Um, you know, because we, we, we used to measure that our days by orders, right? And then, so the most order that I done through a day has to be like a thousand. It was a thousand, a thousand pieces, orders. A thousand tickets. So, so if you did a thousand and the average order was what, like $20,000? Yeah. $20, so that was uh, 20 grand. Yeah, that was a 20 grand uh, day. day. That was, that, and you sh that, if I'm not mistaken, that was a Super Bowl. Because Super Bowl days are like Yes, they're crazy, crazy you know? Uh, so yeah, that was, that was probably one of the busiest days in my life. Wow. And, um, okay. So when did you leave the pizza industry? Okay. So I wanted, I wanted, you know, I wanted to wear a tie. So I used to go to, uh, this, uh, bank place where, where I was depositing my money, you know, and the manager, when they approached me, she was like, man, I like your smile. I want you to come work for us. That was a, a PNC bank. And, um, you know, I got hired as a teller. I worked there and I was Very happy, you know. But before I started working as a teller, you know, I needed to tell tell my boss at the pizza place that I was no longer gonna work in the pizza place. Work in the pizza place, you know, because you know it would be kind of I wouldn't be committed to the yep. time, you know. Uh, so he got really upset because he thought I had a career with him. Um, you know, I had a good things going on for them, but so I got de demoted, obviously, you know, because I couldn't stay as a store manager, and I became like a driver. Okay. So I was driving for Pizza Hut, 
and I was uh, I was working as a teller at PNC Bank, you know. Okay. Just to be able to kind of fulfill my dream at the time, which was like you know working nine to five, wear the suit, and wear the suit, have have the weekends off, you know, actually have planned vacation. Um, so for a moment, I thought that was it, you know. For a moment, I thought I was like like kind of like then I'm actually going to an office. I'm actually wearing an, uh, you know, like I actually know what time I'm gonna get off, and uh, so it was it was very exciting. yeah. You can plan your day better. Basically, uh, in the pizza, it was hustle, 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 and working long hours. Here, you didn't have to work many as long hours. You know, you close bank at, what, five or six? Yeah. And then you're done. And now you can have a normal life. Exactly. Okay. And what year was this that you got in the banking? In uh, so it was like 2000, um, it was 2013. I was 23 years old. You know, I got into the banking industry, and I have always been a very competitive person uh, in terms of myself, you know. So, like, I always like to master uh, where I'm getting into, you know. And one of the things that I'm very good at is I'm very good at mastering things in a very short time of period. And, you know, so six months down the road, I became a banker, and I became a top pr producer, you know, where I was working at PNC Bank, and I was, you know, I was making $70,000 um you know, sal like you know, my my commission and everything was about seventy thousand dollars. I was twenty three years old. I thought I was like living the life. You know, I had a pay vacation. Um, so I, for a moment, I thought like that was everything. You know, uh, it was uh, fulfilling my lifestyle at the moment. So it was pretty good. You know, but at the end of the day, you know, I knew that I wanted to. I knew I I wanted to be my own boss. You know, I knew that I have so many skills, and I knew that my mind was. In a, in a different way than, than many people, you know. So I, I was always looking for, to do something, but I, at the time I wasn't really kind of like, uh, I wasn't really sure about what to do, you know. So I was just kind of sticking to the bank, you know. Uh, so like after a few years, I got I got handed an opportunity to be a leader um, in Citibank, you know. I, I had an opportunity to become a branch manager and actually start leading teams, you know, like a sales teams, you know. And... And I was it was a it was a really good move towards my career because it helped me to be a leader, you know. Like I was in my my branch was uh, running a very very low pro pro production loans. Pro it was very low on, on revenue and everything, you know. When I took over that branch, you know, my branch went like crazy, you know. It was top top performance. I was recognized na nationwide. Uh, I had that that team that was the most engaged. And overall, you know, one of the things that I really learned was about how to be a leader had to really delegate, and just out of everything, had to really run the business, you know? So, and had to build relationship. Uh, like, I'm I'm very strong on how to build relationship, you know? And I was able to bring a lot of money to the bank. Like, one of the things that I'm very good is about uh, putting trust, pe people putting trust on me, you know? Uh, so when it comes to, like, OPM or all these things, you know, like, I have a lot of money, whereas for other people it becomes, like, a really a problem, you know? So at Citibank, I, I was I did pr pretty well in 2019, 2020, and and then you know I was making 120,000 you know with my salary and commission you know, and I was still living paycheck to paycheck you know it was crazy because I was like I'm making more than six figures, but I'm still in debt. I was in debt in a lot of money debt like 70,000 worth of debt, and I was still living paycheck to paycheck you know. Uh, and so one of the things that I realized is like man I need to start doing something else because otherwise. You know, now I'm, I'm about to be. It was I'm about to be 29 years old. I'm gonna be 30 next thing you know, and I'm in 70,000 worth of debt. I have two kids. You know, my, my beautiful wife. 
like I have to do something different. Otherwise, time is gonna go, and and as the month go, my my debt was increasing instead of my debt going down. My debt was like getting bigger and bigger each month, and I was pretty much a survive. I was in a survival mode, and so like I, when I turned twenty nine, um, you know, I gave up something in life which was alcohol. You know, I gave up alcohol. You know, I, I don't really drink alcohol anymore, and um, and then I started doing self development. I started doing self-development, so I started finding a lot of answers uh, that, I, that I was asking and that I was seeking, you know. So for a, for a period of time, like, um, I did a lot of uh, morning routines. So I had a very strong morning routine. You know, I started YouTubing uh, what millionaires people do in the morning. I started, like, video. I got, like, really focused into why do people really wake up at 4 a.m., you know. And, and I started kind of studying the reason why they start doing it. And so I what, is, what is better, 4 a.m. or 5 a.m.? Uh, well, I don't know, man. Because you, know, like you see, I, I'm the same way. I watch that stuff, right? And then why you need to wake up at 5? And they tell you the yeah. routines. right? And then there's another one that's why you need to wake up at 4. It's just a matter of time before somebody comes and says, why you need to wake up at 3? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I guess so, somebody said two already. Exactly. So, so what's what? What's your morning routine like? So my morning routine, um, which I, it's, it's like I'm tr wake up for the most part. I try to wake up at four thirty. I try to have a, a very. I like to do. Uh, uh, Are you a morning guy or an evening I'm guy? I'm a morning guy. You're a morning guy. Yeah. So for you, it's easy. Yeah. To get up at four thirty. I mean, it wasn't easy. It was. Well, but it was, but it was. I mean, well, that's the thing. Like, if you naturally wake up at four thirty. Or, or five, you're a morning guy. Yeah. You follow what I'm saying? Like, you wake up at that time regardless. Like, but if there's people that they, they stay up late, and that's when they're productive, like, in the evening. Like, I got a friend, Keon. He stays up late. You know, he's a he's a night owl. Like, he can work until 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. That's when he's going to sleep. Yeah. So, where do you find yourself? I find myself, like... I mean, you know, it's during the morning, and, and then I have a saying, you know, like, there is uh, a reason why in the morning you have, like, very strong vibe. I feel like once the, the sun is coming out, it's coming with a lot of energy. So I feel like, you know, there used to be a lot of rituals back in the day when the sun would come out, they would be there, you know, just to... And that's why, like, the birds sing, you know, birds sing in the morning. They don't sing at night, you know? So th then I feel like with everything going on in the morning, like, it gives you a lot of peace, Um it, it, it gives you, it clears your mind, and I feel like it helps you get ready. So, you know, like the typical person, or that person that I used to be back back before is like, man, I woke up and I was like, I got to go to work. Like, I'm always, everything in a rush, you know, everything yeah. in so much rush. You're late. You're always late. late. I'm always late. I'm going, like, nowadays it's like everything is just like, you know, like as long as my morning routine is like very, very strong, then my days, you know, like, easy so right. how many hours do you apply towards your morning routine i like to do like two hours okay and what are you doing those two hours so like the first thing that i like to do is you know um i pray you know i pray i get i do get on my knees and i i, I ask him to give me the wisdom that i need to have and to give me uh to give me more confidence about myself you know and to let all these uh negative feelings that i have to just take it away from me and to take right. away all the doubts you know right and the next thing that I do is, like, I like to go to the gym, you know, really quick, run two miles, you know, and then I like to, you know, come back home, shower, then I'll be writing my goals, you know. I, I write my goals every single day. How many times? Every day, sometimes twice. Sometimes. So, so you know, Nick Perry? Yeah. It's my buddy. He writes them three times a day. Three times a day. Yeah. And, and he told me that when he found out, like, 
when he started writing his goals three times a day, he started accomplishing a lot more. And he started hitting his goals quicker. So for you guys to take notes, write your goals three times a day, not just once. Yeah, three so, times. But you're doing it twice already. Yeah. So what you do whatever serves you, right? So yeah, no, the more the better, you know, because it is it's kinda like you're holding yourself accountable. And uh, you know, if you write it, it's gonna happen. So, you know, that's that's the main thing that I say. So like I write my goals, uh, then I like to um I like to listen. Like I do audible, I'm trying to read books. I haven't You have to read. It's different. You see my I have a bunch of books, right? Dude, I hate reading. I'm telling you, I'll be honest with you. I every time I see a book, I say, ah, I gotta it's like it weights five hundred pounds. But once I pick it up and I go through ten pages, I'm good. So it's just getting there. But when you read a book, your subconscious mind is rewired a different way than when you listen to it. Um, especially if you're not a reader. Because now you're really forcing yourself to focus on the book. You see, uh, when you're listening, this is what happens. Your phone rings or a notification pops up on your phone and you get distracted. Or if you're driving and you're listening to audio, which I do, I listen to audibles on my car. Um, and you're driving and you see something, you get distracted. When you, you know, So in reality, you're not really paying attention to what is being said on the book. Sometimes you got to rewind and say, man, what did he say? And you go back, right? But when you read it, you literally have no other option but to pay attention. And your mind starts playing tricks on you. You start thinking about that one thing that you, don't, that you need to accomplish. Like maybe I need to send a wire or I need to send CD and email or I need to talk to somebody, right? But because you're reading, you refocus right away and, and you stay on track. So that's my, my, what I take from reading. That's why I like it. Um, I like it better for rewiring my brain because we all need it. We, yeah. all, we all have behaviors that, that are self-sabotage, and the only way to change that or one of the main ways to change that is by reading, uh, doing reading. So, so you do two hours in, in the morning, and that's normally when you're, when you're home. But when you're on the, on the road, like right now you're traveling, are you still doing your morning routine? Uh, like, uh, okay, so today we didn't do it, but yesterday we did it. Okay. Yeah, right? So like we're trying to see how we can build – uh, you know, in a scenario to make sure that I don't ever miss my morning routine. It's hard, man. Like, yeah. especially when you're out on the road and you are networking and um, you go to bed late because yeah. you're hanging out late with people or whatever. But if if you're real disciplined, I, something I picked up from, um, from Brad Lee when he came to our event, that man is disciplined, man. He was in bed early. Mm. Like, we, we went to go and, and party and stuff, and he's like, no, man. Stay home. I, I'm staying at the hotel. I gotta, I gotta perform tomorrow, mm. and he was in bed early, and he gets up early, and that's his morning routine. So, that's that's a challenge for many of us is to be that disciplined, you know. Yeah, no, hundred percent. So, yeah, so that's that's pretty much. I feel like uh, part of the big success uh, that came in my life more than the business. It was really about finding, you know, finding confidence in myself and having a lot of faith, you know having a, a lot of faith in the process and just that, you know, as long as you do the work, as long as you come and, you know, put the word then everything else is going to work out, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, I do, I do, I'm a very person that takes a lot of action, you know, sometimes for my own good and sometimes it does, you know, play some false, but for the most part, you know, what I like to say is uh, it has helped me make more money than it has helped me lose money, you know? Because yeah. I have lost money too, you know? Uh, we all have. 
you know, but uh, the same way is like, you know, I don't lose faith in the process. You know, I just learn from it. You know, I like to, I'm a person that I'm a good learner. I'm a good listener. In fact, if I'm going to be in a table and I have to um, be the one that's going to be quiet, I'm probably going to be the one that, that's going to be the quietest one. Because for me, I'm, uh, I want to listen. You know, I have a lot to learn. I have to, uh, before I start uh, putting out my opinions, you know. And um, that's one of the biggest things that has helped me also develop a lot, you know, because I listen to a lot. You know, a lot of people like to give opinions right away. And there is nothing wrong with that, you know. You, everybody's opinion does count at the end of the day. But um, for me, what's more important is what am I going to learn from, er like, let's say if 12 people in the table, what am I going to learn from all these 11 people? There is something that I want to pick up from all of them and learn something from them. That's, like, my main focus when I'm in entering into, like, a big run of conversations, you know. What am I going to learn from them? Um, how can I bring value to, to their business life, you know? And just network, you know? Uh, network with everybody. That's good. So... How do you find out about real estate investing? Man, so like I was doing self-development and three weeks later on, three weeks went by and then I, f I, I was laying down in my bed and somebody posted a deal in Facebook, right? Somebody posted a deal and I asked this guy, what is he doing? And he's like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm trying to sell the house. And I asked him if he was a, a real estate agent. And he said, no, I'm not a, a real estate agent. I'm a wholesaler, right? And then at that moment, it was like something just switched in my mind, like, you know, because I used to work in the banking industry, and I was very heavy in l lending part. So, like, I underwrote a lot of the loans, you know. Like, my folders were so clean that my mortgage officer would literally be like, okay, approve, you know. My my folders got, like, to be very clean. So, I understand appraisal process because, you know, I, like, the appraisal process, like, we appeal so many appraisals before. understood about all the lending products, you know, understood about the title, title thing. You know, understand any, everything about the deeds, you know. Every deed that there is out there, you know, I know for for it. You know, we used to, like, claim deeds and, and do things about it, you know. So, like, I knew everything besides how to make money from it. And then when this guy told me about how can I make money or how he was making money from it, it kind of, like, was a, was a switch in my mind, you know. Uh, so, like, right after I learned that, I asked the guy, and I was like, hey, I see that you have this deal, you know. Like, I was like, I think... Uh, you know, I think I said this, you know, I think I can buy it, you know. Like, I didn't even know what, why I said that, you know. I was like, I don't have the money, I don't have anything, I don't even know anything, you know. So he came, he showed me the deal, and, and you know, it wasn't, and then we talked about it. And I remember being inside the house, and this guy asking me, have you, um, do you know what's the ARV, you know. And then I, I didn't even know, I didn't know about the terms, you know, a lot about the terms. So I asked him, like, where is the ARV in the house, you know. Me thinking, like, the ARV was, like, um, like the AC unit or something like that. So this guy looked at me, he's like, man, you're full of, you know, <laughs> yeah. crap, man, like, you made me waste my time and this and that. And um, he's actually a big follower of mine now. <laughs> yeah, that's good, that's but, good. But, um, you know, so, but I told him, you know, I'm a very sincere, I was like, look, man, like, you know, I'm new to the game, I just want somebody to teach me. So he, he kind of like, he's a like, YouTube, it, Google it, and learn from it, you know? So I did that, you know? I, I did that, but I, I, I was like, okay, so, like, I got a few things that I learned from that. For me, looking stupid, you know, because I look stupid. Yeah. You know, and then I literally, that same night, I was as I was going home, I was, like, scrolling on Facebook again, like, trying to find another deal. And I went like that for, like, seven times. Like, literally, I went to a house. It wasn't a deal. I went to a house. It wasn't a deal. I didn't even know. Like, the third, by the third house that I was I was going to see it, I was, I was now bringing a buyer to the third house that I was going to see it. So now I understand a little bit about 
you know how things go you know how wholesaler will go in they want to make sure there is no buyer there you know so kind i kind of like got a hangover like after the third house i was gonna see so i bring my buyer to the fourth house it was in um it was in it was in the house and she was like man i want to put an offer and i was like okay like i got excited i was like, okay so what do i do now like you know what do i like i didn't even know like there was an assignment contract i didn't even know like like i didn't know anything all i knew was like she said she wants to put an offer and that guy has the house right and then so i went to him and i was like hey i see that you want 140 for the house my buyer wants to give you 140 you know i, I was just gonna make five thousand because i offered her at 145 and then he was like all right we'll write it down right so like i i didn't know what to do you know so like i literally wrote it down like microsoft like i wrote it down like uh, with my own words and all that you know why didn't you find it on youtube I don't like, know, like, like how do how, how do i sign a contract i'm pretty sure there's 500 videos yeah. in there on how to do that i don't know what i don't know what went to my mind you know like I, at the moment i was like uh i need something like right now you know like right now so like i type it in um and then i put that i was she was gonna pay me five thousand dollars and then when he looked at that so like I, she signed i signed i sent it to him and then he was like he looked at he called me he's like hey i didn't know you were gonna make five thousand dollars of this deal and I was like, I was like, I don't know. Like you said, you want 140. We're giving you 140. I'm just charging my fee to her. And then he was like, Oh, I didn't know that. You know, he's like, Give me a day. So I was like, Okay. So I gave this guy a day. He literally came back to me. He's like, Look, I have an offer at 145. You know, like I don't know what to tell you. He's like, If you want to, you know, maybe I can give you 500 dollars. You know. And I looked at him. I got like really upset. And I was like, Look, man, like, um, you know, I, this is not good business. You know, like I know I've done business before. This is just not good business, you know? and But that's fine, you know? There's nothing wrong. Look, like, I, I'd rather not do any business. So, like, I broke that deal down, and I felt guilty because I was like, man, I'm now, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm after my best interest, but not my best buyer interest, you know? So I felt really horrible. But I was upset, so I told my buyer, like, I was like, hey, something went down, you know? But I, I got you a house. Don't worry about it. So, like, literally after that, like, I went back to Facebook, I started scrolling houses like I was like, man, I, I need to find a house. You know, we were going to meet up with them, with the buyers. And I was like, hey, like the deal will fall through, but I have two more deals. I told them that, but I, di I really didn't have any deals going on for myself. Went to back to Facebook. I grabbed two deals and we went to see that two deals. And then she liked it. She liked one house. And the same thing, you know, like I added my fee, $5,000. And I send it in, you know, and this time this guy took it, you know, he took it and I was like, fuck, like I'm going to make $5,000. It was the best, man. It was the best feeling, you know. So that's how I made my first deal, you know, it was $5,000. Good deal, man. So, so how many deals have you done since then? So, so far, uh, you know, I was counting my deal. We're like at 88 deals, um, you know, like since I started my career as a wholesaler. Uh, so we're at 88 deals right now. We are... Currently flipping at the same time we're flipping ten houses too, you know. Okay. So we're doing multiple things uh, in the wholesaling business, you know, more than just wholesaling, you know. Yeah, you're buying and fixing and flipping. You're looking for rentals as well, um, and and you're wholesaling. So, um, what's the future for you? What does it look like? What What do you want to do in the future? Man, the future for us is like really bright. You know, I'm very excited about um, what's next for us because I feel like. Uh, you know, I have God on my side. I feel like I have my family on my side, and I feel like I have good team on my side. Uh, and now my mind is like crazy. Right now, uh, what's next for us is pretty much uh, be in every state possible, 
making sure that everybody does know about our story and, and just inspire people, you know. I feel like I want to be a bigger servant to the world, um, you know, to do two things, you know. I feel like we're here to lift other people out. Like, um, you know, it took me 29 years to find out about this information. And, and you know, I wasn't really... I don't know if there was not information back then. I'm sure there was, you know. There was a lot of things going on. But for some reason, I wasn't looking at the right place, you know. So my goal is to, like, how do I touch people like like myself where they're not looking at the at right place and they're they're asking for questions, you know. They want, they're asking, you know, there's a lot of immigrants. There's a lot of, you know, black people in the community. There's a lot of young people that are coming out and, and you know, the college thing is already kind of dying, you know. People are realizing that I don't have to go to college to, to fulfill my dream, you know. Uh, going to college is only going to really fulfill somebody else's dream, you know. So you can really honestly do this um, real estate business with no money, you know. All you got to do is just take a lot of actions, you know, be around the, the right people. Be resourceful. And be resourceful, you know. Be resourceful. So, well, I, I always say the no money thing is it, it, that only is going to take you so far, right? Um and, and I want to be clear, guys, when Armando says with no money is that it really requires no money for you to do it, but you got to find the money somewhere, okay? You're going to have to find earnest money. You're going to have to find a buyer, and that's where your money is. You're going to have to find the property. That's where your money is, right? When you buy, you know, if you're buying at a, at a, at a discount, then you're able to make a profit. So uh, the no money thing is, is, is more of a... You don't have to have $100,000 in the bank to go do a deal. Uh, if you're resourceful, like you did, like you went on Facebook, you found these properties, and then you went and found another buyer, and you mar married the two, and you make a $5,000 spread, boom, perfect. Um, that was being resourceful. That's how you found your money. You found your money from that end buyer, and you found that money from that property that, that the guy had on the contract that the person was selling, right? Um, so keep in mind you're still going to have to invest. You're investing in yourself. Uh, you told me that you had different coaches for many different things. Um, so it's going to require money to, for you to grow, okay? You're going to have to invest in yourself. You're going to have to hire a mentor. You're going to have to, you know, seek out people that are doing what you want to do so you can get there faster. Um, so, so the future for you is to help other people out, right? Um, show them the way, maybe inspire them and, so they can get in this business and, and, and change their life. Um, I think college, uh, in my opinion, is not for everybody. It wasn't for me. I didn't care for it. Uh, but my daughter wanted to go to college for some reason, and she's doing well. It, is it dying? I, I doubt it. There is, it the, the society is, is built for that. You know, we, we are operating in a 1900s, uh, school, you know, or or design like the the education was designed back in the 1900s. Why? Who was it designed for? Workers, right? So if you look at a school today, university, the progression like the whole is to prepare a worker to go to work. So for college to die and universities and things like that. There's, there has to be a major shift on, on how we're educating people. Um, I think we're far from there, but you're right. I mean, you don't need to go to college to educate yourself. You can educate yourself by hiring mentors by YouTube University or 
or you know things that you actually like doing like you know you found out you like real estate you didn't even know real estate was around right and then you went and educated yourself on it and, and you took action and now boom uh here you are um but man it, it takes it, it's gonna take major efforts to change the way um you know the school system is designed and, and it's is designed to pump out workers. Unfortunately, that's just the way it is. And all the major corporations, government, you know, they want to keep schools alive. Otherwise, how do they get workers? How do they get people that are going to go and fulfill those roles? Now, guys like you that figured out that there is a better way and you are able to take the chance on yourself and bet on yourself and say, you know what, man, this route is not for me. I'm going to go and, and, and explore this entrepreneurship world that's out there, are the ones that end up making it big. Um, but you, I still want to hire people that are college educated, right, because they, they want to work, they, they want a structure, they want a salary. That's what everybody's framed for education-wise, structures. Like what you wanted to do when you went to the bank, Yeah. right? You want a structure, a good pay, AC, wear the tie, you knew you were coming in at 8 o'clock in the morning and leaving at 6 or whatever the, the schedule was. There was a structure there. Not everybody is able to function like you and I outside of a structure where sometimes you don't know when the next paycheck is coming, right? Yeah. Uh, or if a deal falls off and, 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 man, you already spend that money before you even got it. Most people <laughs> do, right? Like I, we had a deal fall out, $50,000, and, I mean, it sucks, but it's what happened, right? And... For many people, that would be a life-changing deal. Like, like if they're able to collect fifty grand on one deal, that's one year's salary, right? Uh, even teachers in school—that's what they make in a year. Um, you you were making what seventy thousand dollars at the bank, and then you ended up making more once you became a branch manager. But let's say you're making one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a month—I mean, uh, um, a year in the bank. In real estate, it's possible to do that every month. Yeah. If you really, really get yourself out there and 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 and, and apply yourself and, and build a good team that's behind you, um, so anyhow, guys, that I just went off a tangent, but um, Armando said something that caught my interest, which was education, and I agree with you. Like I even told my daughter when she was going to go to college, just like, you really want to go to college? Like, <laughs> why are you going to do that to yourself? And she's like, no, I want to study music, and I said, okay, perfect. If you if you're into that, then by all means, right? Um, so 88 deals, uh, you've made over a million bucks, I guess, um, on, from those 88 deals plus the flips. I saw a big check one time you posted. That was like 300 and some thousand dollars. What was that for? from? Where did that come from? Well, that, that was actually from one of my flips, you know. So you flipped the house. Yeah, I flipped the house. You know, we made, I didn't make 300,000. That's what I got. That's know? what you collected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I made, I made a, a 130,000. Okay, and and the other one thirty, uh, the the other half. That's what I put on on cash, you know. Okay, so, so you got in with a hundred and some thousand yeah. to get on the deal. So one of the things that you know I have done different is that uh, I'm a very humble person, and I believe on delaying gratifications to the hundred, you know. And I also believe in real estate. Like, I'm a person that that will look into a house and really like see how how am I gonna. This manage? is what this is why I like Armando so much. This is the goat time. <laughs> you see that? You, that what you just said, Armando, delaying gratification. 
Most people cannot do that. As soon as they get a check, they got to go spend it on something. They got to go buy a watch or get a car or get a bigger house. And by the way, I used to be that guy. I used to be like, as soon as I got a win, I had to go celebrate the win by getting something, right? But that's very smart, delaying gratification, because that allows you to put money away. It allows you to continue with the same lifestyle you have. You were telling me about you were driving a 2013 Honda Accord. Um, that's an overdue gratification that you haven't, you know, upgraded on. You could have, you could be very well driving a Mercedes Benz today, brand new, top of the line, 2022, not even the 21. Right, but you you chose to to go and 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 drive a, a vehicle that it, it that it serves a purpose for you, um, but it's not that you don't have the money. Is that is the value of that vehicle gonna give me a return today for me? For on your case, the answer for you right now is no, but that doesn't mean you're not gonna go upgrade later on, right? Correct. So delaying gratification, I like that um, to become to achieve your dreams quicker uh i started i started applying that a lot more in the last two years that's actually two or three years like literally every penny i get it goes back in the business back in the business back in the business back in the business uh i suppose like and you know my wife was car shopping yesterday and and i asked her i said hey what do you want do you want to you know i like the highlander because it's a family vehicle eight of us can fit there right it's a good vehicle to travel she wanted the Mercedes, but then she went to look at another one. And she, you know what she told me? She said, well, we're going to Florida right now. So you know what? Let's not buy it yet. Let's buy it when we come back a, a month from now. Why are you going to make an extra payment on that vehicle? I said, well, you're going to pay for it anyways. <laughs> but she's delaying gratification. Yeah. And we had to learn how to do that because for many years, we were living large. Uh, and not large because I wasn't driving Ferraris or anything like that. But... You know, we, we had a pretty good lifestyle. And now I reduce, I can live off $5,000 comfortable, comfortable, comfortable a month. How many people can do that? You know, especially in our real estate business. You know, I see my friends. <laughs> I see what where they live. I see the houses, the, the cars they drive. Um, but I have different goals. I'm, I'm pretty sure you have. What are some of your goals financial-wise? So you can start getting some of that gratification. So my goal uh, before I start buying anything for myself is to have uh, 100 rentals. So I want to I wanna first run a, um, a very strong rental portfolio, you know. So I'm a person that believes in real estate. I'm a person that really are passionate about real estate. When I go see a house, I mean, I'm looking at it gold mine every time I walked in. And I'm looking at it every single angle. How am I going to make money? How is this going to... Really, either gonna cash flow for me. It's gonna be a fix and flip. Am I gonna be a quick wholesale deal? You know, and I'm able to determine that in about five to ten minutes. You know, yeah. like I have something in mind. So my goal for me is to really build rentals. You know, we have right now three rentals for ourselves. You know, uh, my cash flow for for the, for each rental for the three rentals is about uh, so I'm cash flowing in, in capital highs eight hundred dollars. I'm cash flowing. I'm gonna be cash flowing in San Antonio five hundred, and then another one in Baltimore is gonna be five hundred. So it's close to eighteen hundred dollars yep. a month, minus whatever I spend. So I'm cash flowing close to a thousand five hundred a month. Um, every You're month. You're cash flowing more. You're cash flowing third eighteen hundred. Yeah, eighteen hundred, but minus the expenses that I like to keep. Aside. Okay. 
So like I say, like fifteen hundred a month, you know. So like uh, we're we're gonna buy uh, more real estate, you know, because I believe on buying real estate. Overall. You're cash flowing that, but you're also you also got equity on all three of the properties, right? Yeah. So I have a lot. So like, okay, so this is the thing, you know, like my cash flow is like okay, fifteen hundred, but my assets, you know, like what Homes for the Nero owns, we have close to two point five million dollars assets as what my company owns, beside my debt. You know, versus what my, I own. You know, mm-hmm. so my my company has two point five a, a million assets. You know, so if I were to liquidate right now everything that I own, it would be close to like it would be close to three million dollars out okay. of my own money. You know, okay. And I have only been able to do this in about a year and a half. You know, so what I was doing as I was making money is I was literally buying real estate. You know, buying real estate and flipping it, buying real estate and flipping it. You know, and that's pretty much how I was able to pretty much, you know, like replicate my, my money, you know, what, what I initially had. That works when the market is going up. You remember that? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so eventually we're going to get into a correction and you have to be very careful how you, um, how you're holding your assets. Right. And the, the truth, the trick not to lose money when, when market corrects and goes down is not to get rid of it. If you get rid of it, you lose money. Right. Yeah. Like most people that lost money back in 2008, um, one of the main reasons they lost money is because the property values dropped and they freaked out. Oh my God, my house is only worth now half of what it used to be worth. And they got rid of it. I was like, what? You know, now if, if your tenants are not paying, that's a different story, right? Because now you got more loans that you can actually, you know, take on your own, pay out of your pockets. Um, that's, if, in my opinion, Hundred houses rentals, it's a lot of work. Um, a lot of work. I think it'll be probably easier for you to go multifamily because you got them all in one area. Well, I mean, I mean, a hundred dollars by like having like a, a like either like a multifamily. No, no, no. I agree, house. but uh, but houses wise, yeah. it's a lot of them because I had fifty plus at some point, and man, I, that was just a freaking like every week something. So you had to come up with a property management company just to. To, to manage all those things, you know, uh, repairs, ACs, toilets, clogging. And they call you for stupid things. The bulb is not working, you know. It's like, change the bulb, you know, like, Jesus Christ. You know, this is not an apartment complex. It's a house. You're supposed to take up to, like, up to a couple of 150 bucks or something. Um, but uh, when in between 2015 and 2017, I think I bought over $30 million worth of properties. And that's how I made most of my money at the time. It was by acquiring, 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 but we were buying a, at a at a at a very discounted price because we were marketing directly to sellers, right? So I can see you doing the same, uh, especially if you had private money coming to you. That that's how I was able to scale to flipping fifty houses at the same time, which I wouldn't do that again. But you know, especially in a city like Houston, like because we have weather challenges here: Harvey's storms, hurricanes. Um, you know, you lose contractors overnight. But if you're in a city probably like San Antonio, you're safer there uh, because they don't have the same problems we do here uh, when <coughs> it comes to going through a challenge like that, right? So um, anyhow, man, thank you so much for uh, sharing your story. Um, I appreciate it, sharing your morning routine, how what you're doing to be better. Uh, that guy, is that, that's a major nugget he dropped in here, um, you know, how he starts his day. Uh, most people think you don't need it, but you do. Uh, the more you focus on yourself early in the morning, 
the better you do. I actually don't look at my phone for the first three hours in the day. Mm-hmm. I don't. I only pull up YouTube if I want to listen to like a meditation or something along that those lines. But I don't look at my text messages. I don't look at WhatsApp. I don't even look at WhatsApp anymore. <coughs> like, if you send me a message on WhatsApp, um, most likely I'm not responding. Um, I don't even handle my Facebook or my Instagram anymore, so I don't look at it that often. Sometimes I just get on the messages because I got messages in between. Like you and I sometimes communicate through Messenger, right? But um, I made it a point to where I don't look at my phone for three hours. That's it. The thing is, you get up in the morning, and then somebody died. And that's the first thing you find out, and now your day is ruined. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, man, this guy died or something, you know, or so a family member had a problem or or, or the news, I don't even watch TV. Like, the news, CNN, Fox News, I have no idea what's going on, to be honest with you. And I had a friend of mine tell me one that, one time that, that I needed to be aware of what was going on. And I was like, no, I'm not. Like, why, why do I care for who got murdered in whatever, you know, yeah. town here in Houston? Like, I, I don't, it makes, it's, I live in a good area, so I know that area is safe. Um, it serves me no purpose, you know. So, if anything... The news, they just, they just, you know, scare you, uh, scare you, and they feed you uh, a lot of times false information. Um, uh, just be called that shit out, man. Just make sure you share, like, and subscribe this podcast. Share with everybody the Real Estate Entrepreneurs Podcast. If Armando can do it, you definitely can do it. He's no, spe- he's not special. He's not better than anybody else. But one thing he did is he took action. He invested in himself. He continuously investing himself. Um, he surrounded himself with the right people as well. And like everyone else, he's made money. He's lost money too uh, on, on deals that didn't go right. And, but, but he took a chance. He's betting on himself, and that's why he's a person of success today. So with that being said, guys, the Real Estate Entrepreneurs Event and Mastermind, Miami, Florida, October 21st through the 24th. Armando will be there. He's one of our sponsors with Humps for Dinero. He will be on stage telling you a little bit about what he does and how he does it. Um, and make sure you get a ticket. We got early bird tickets ending in June 30th, I believe. And I, lo- I love to see you guys there. And come say hi to Armando when you're in Miami at the Real Estate Entrepreneurs Event at Mastermind. You'll have a great day. Bye. Thank you, bro. Appreciate Thank you, you, man. All right.